Ready? One more time. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Thank you, Bertie. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. You are listening to the Four Corners podcast with Lenny Marcus. And Neil. Welcome to the Four Corners Podcast with Lenny Marcus. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, now in the bunker, Neil Potter. Hey there. Four topics, 15 minutes each. We're just killing time. Kill it with us. Our Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is the number 4C Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen to us on the Riotcast Network, Riotcast.com. Today's guest for Corona Week 6, I can't believe we're still doing this Corona stuff, is a TV producer originally from Toronto, Canada. She now resides in Los Angeles, California. Maybe you've heard of shows she's produced called Go Go Lucky, Chef Academy, Encore, and a little show that could called The Bachelor. Hello. She is now the executive (laughs) producer on the show Neil and I hope to someday film with Leslie Jones before we're dead from Ebola, Corona, or old age called Supermarket Sweep. It's Alicia Rossiter. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> um, so you're the biggest, Neil, is she the biggest TV production person we've ever had on the show? We've had some music producers and artists, but is she the biggest, you know, production person, Neil? Far and away. Far yeah, and away. Far and away. We're at the top. We've gone straight to the top. <laughs> so you come from Toronto. How'd you get from Toronto to LA? Let's start there um, for your 15. Oh, where's my bell? I don't have the bell. Oh no! Oh no! Can you make a bell sound? Wait, I have the bell. That's what we do in reality TV. When we don't have it, we fake it. Here we go. Boom! Yeah. I did. Should have faked it. That thing killed my ear. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I can put it in in post next time. Um, But you know, if I have it, we use it. It Sounds good on the tape. Um, So from Toronto to LA, from from art history major, from what I read. To oh TV my God, producer. You really oh yeah, you really I, I don't have much else to do, Alicia, but research. <laughs> so how do you go from? Um, how do you do that? You go. You went to McGill, right? I went to McGill, and then I did a master's in museum studies, which came from the art history. And I thought that I wanted to tell stories in the museum, and I won't bore you with the long story. But I met somebody who was making a documentary about the history of art in Europe, and In the meantime, to raise money for her documentary, she had become the production coordinator on a feature film called Murder at 1600 with Wesley Snipes and Diane Lee. Yeah. Yeah. And she said to me, if you want to be a PA on this movie, um, you know, we can get start getting our funding ready and late at night we can talk about our real doc that we want to make and so i became the office pa my job was finding them all um housing in toronto and i was good with the movie stars so they just gave me a lot of driving around with the movie stars and it was it was really fun and i was like forget documentaries about art history i just want to make movies for the rest of my life 
And that's sort of um, how I got the second job in Toronto, where I became the assistant to a woman that I consider my mentor. Her name is Brooke Kennedy, and she doesn't touch unscripted television, but she's a big scripted television producer out of New York. Wow. Um, most recently, she did The Good Wife and the spinoff, which is called The Good Fight. Wow. And she took me to L.A. We did a local show in Toronto that she was filming where Toronto was pretending to be New York City, which it does a lot in films and television. And um, we got along super well and she liked me and she brought me to L.A. And then I did a ton of jobs with her and I've been here ever since. That's amazing. That's incredible. So you're, what do we, how old are you? Like 23 years old and you're moving I was, all I over the place? I had done my master's. Oh, I had done my master's. So I was probably 25. Yeah. And I'm a Canadian citizen because my mom and dad are Canadian, but my dad took a job in Puerto Rico in the seventies and they had this accidental child, me, <laughs> 20, let me, my brothers and sisters were seven, nine and 12 and they thought they were done. But you know what happens when you move to Puerto Rico, you get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's me, and uh, I am the only person in my family with an American passport and a Canadian passport. So when this American producer met me as the local hire kid in Toronto and found out that I could work legally in the States, I got lucky and she brought me down. Oh, wow. That, that <laughs> perfect. Yeah, super lucky. And then I, and then my husband's American, and he pretends that he's the only reason that I'm legal in this country. But <laughs> I am American. <laughs> That's now, a, go ahead. Neil. What was? Did you do the documentary for the art? The art history? That Never was did that. Never, Never did back. it. Never did it, Neil. I I I swooped below anything that was sort of worthy of educational eyes looking and listening at it, and I went straight to. Uh, Dramas, comedy, and eventually unscripted. So and now game oh, wow. shows with you. I only I only ask because I dream of stealing art one day, and I thought maybe you could help me with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's another story. We'll talk about that in LA. Neil thinks he can steal a painting out of a balloon, but anyway. Um, so you go. So you're in LA, and now you're just move. That's how it happens in LA. We don't even know. Like, so they they just well, entrust so I you with to more LA, things. But I had this. I had this sugar mama mentor who was an A-list TV producer. So every job, and I was an assistant. So every job she took, she just brought me on as her assistant. And interestingly, at that time, and I'm thinking it was like 95, 96, mm -hmm. you know, um, a lot of American productions were being filmed in Canada. So I was kind of, you know, I'm putting words in her mouth, but I think I was a pretty lucky find for her because right. she could take me to Canada whenever she shot something in Canada to save money on the dollar. And then she could take me back to the States for the edit and the writing time, which would happen in, in the States. And I was legal on both sides and she could keep the same assistant project after project. I actually was an assistant for a long time because I'm a sucker and I just loved it and I loved her. <laughs> And I'm also Canadian, so we don't dream like, I'm going to be president in the United States. We're <laughs> like, oh, I'm happy and I'm treated well. And, you know, you don't sort of think you're ever going to have the big house on the top of the hill. But after a while, somebody offered me an executive position in a development office for a huge producer named John Wells. At wow. the time, he was making ER and the West Wing. Yep. I mean, he, he was the king. Yeah. But I didn't like development. I took the job and I didn't like it because development at that time for me was a lot about hiring writers and directors mm -hmm. for the writing rooms and for the productions. And I felt like I was making everyone else's dreams come true. So I quit to try to make my dream come true. And I tried to write scripts. 
months. And I sat in my little um, apartment and I worked for an interior designer um, who, you know, paid me little amounts of money to sit in people's houses while their couches were delivered. And I would write my little script while I sat waiting for their couches to be delivered. And two of my scripts got sort of hip-pocketed by agents, but nothing really came of it. And then one day I went to a cocktail party and I met somebody who was working in a reality TV lab, which was an ABC um, experiment where every day a bunch of people sat around and pitched ideas for reality TV, which was kind of the new big thing. Survivor and Big Brother had hit big, Bachelor had hit big. And I sat around this lab and we would read the New York Times and we would read bestsellers and we would read magazine articles and we would say, can we make the real version of this? Can we make the real version of that? And when I was done my six month stint on that, I found my way onto The Bachelor as story producer. And I stayed there for 11 years. I ended up the exec producer there. That's incredible. Oh, that, wow. That's incredible. Okay, I got a million questions. First of all, um, you're on the f so you were on the ground floor of reality television. You saw it happen from the from the beginning and did you have any inkling that it would basically swallow up a lot of scripted television? No, and it's a funny thing because the way my very first foray into reality television, my friend Steph had an idea, which was let's take the movie Trading Places and let's make a real version of it and we'll take two human beings and we'll make them switch lives. Now this was before Wife Swap right. and and switched and all the shows that actually came out of that right. idea. Not that it was ours, but right. that idea. So I went and pitched it with Steph to a company that it turns out was making Big Brother, the very first Big Brother. And they were in production and they were airing Big Brother at the time. Right. And we left our pitch and, and a lawyer gave me a call and said, we want to option your um, Trading Places show. Wow. But we also have another question for you, which is, Will you come on Big Brother? We think you'd be a great cast member, and we're four weeks in, and we think it would be great to freak out the cast by bringing in a late entry. And I immediately, my instinct knew that that was death, and that America would vote me out, and that I would never be able to wake up and get out of bed again when the whole country had voted me out of a television show. And so, you know, you say to me, like, did I know I was at, you know, ground zero of what was going to become a huge part of television. I don't think I knew that, but I knew it was bad news. Right. <laughs> I knew <laughs> I didn't want to be on TV and it was scary. And I knew how vulnerable you'd be as a cast member. Right. And I knew, you know, I knew it was kind of exciting. That's about it. Um, wow. Okay. My other question is, so why didn't you go back to why did you like quit the biz to go on to the creative side to write scripts rather than call up Brooke Kenny and go just uh, remember me how about uh, can I come back in any other production aspect or you just want to be creative? such a good question Lenny and my nearly 50 year old self wonders that every day and and the funny thing is when I when I left Brooke I went to John Wells who was ostensibly a bigger producer. Right. That's not why I left her. I was in love with a boy in LA and John's job was going to keep me in LA and Brooks was going to travel all around. Uh. Um, and it was, and, and also he was offering me a non-assistant position for the first time. Right. Uh, so right. what I can't believe I didn't do when I quit John Wells productions, you know, I went to him and said, I don't like development. I wish I'd had the chutzpah to say, so can you give me something else? Cause I've been loyal <laughs> right. to you for a year and a half right. and I'm a good, you know, 
But I, I think it comes from that same thing that I'm telling you. I don't know whether it's about being Canadian or whether it's about being female, but I'm not that balls out kid. I am more now. Yeah. But at the time, there was no, I felt lucky. I felt lucky to be in the room. I did not feel entitled, I you know? See. And there'd be kids around me that had like their parents' old BMWs that they were driving, you know, and their parents were like paying their rent. I wasn't that kid. I, I come from a fantastically lucky family in Canada, but it's nothing like these rich LA kids. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And they went to Ivy League schools and they're connected to every big boss and they're they were like slightly fabulous and I sort of just I was like happy and I couldn't believe that I worked in show business like I had the kind of my parents are great but they're like yeah enjoy that for a little while and you'll come home to Toronto and be a lawyer like you were groomed to be you know yes, yeah. and I think I always kind of thought that you know that I would that that I would ride the train as long as it would have me on it and then I'd jump off or I'd get kicked off but I would do it differently now and I think that my children when it's their turn, I hope that I, I don't think they're going to be driving around my old BMW and I hope I'm not paying their rent their whole lives. But I think they're going to have a little more sense of being able to lead in the room rather than just being excited to be uh, in the room. That's good. Um, yeah. Did you who did you, did you have anybody that you broke on that show? Like when you say you were hiring writers for ER and uh, West Wing, did anybody go on from those things to create even more stuff? No, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they did. There were, you know, there were. There was a, a director named Alex Graves that became a big TV director after. But you know, being on The West Wing and being on ER was a big break. Yeah. I can't tell you anyone that then created a huge show. Like it's not right. like David Chase was a staff <laughs> right. writer on ER and then became the biggest guy in the world. But you know, pretty much everyone John Wells hired is still working as a, you know big writer or a big tv did, uh, director did you know how cool it was to be like how crazy it is for so you're on the you're on the ground floor of the reality tv world then you go over to john wells who could not be bigger at that point well with I, ER I was West not <laughs> yeah i did i did um I did scripted first and then landed in reality and never went back. And I, and I wish I could go back. And that's something I think about doing now is finding a little project in the narrative world and producing it. But yeah, when I was in scripted at John Wells Productions, I knew. In fact, it's so funny. Thank you for asking this question because you just gave me a big memory. That was the first time I understood what Hollywood was like because yeah. I would go to parties as like a 25-year-old woman and I would say, you know, hey, my name's Alicia and and they would, the first question they would ask me is where I work. Yeah. And then when I would answer, that's all they would talk to me about. <laughs> that's and I had just, you know, come from Toronto where you said, hey, my name's Alicia. And then you would find something to talk about in common and enjoy yourselves. We didn't talk about our jobs all the time. Well, that's a great question and, for you. Is that annoying about it? That's what drives me nuts about one of the things that drives me nuts about L.A. Like everybody that you, what do you, who are you? What are you working on in the business is usually your M.O. It's. It's so annoying, and I remember it blew my mind, and it made me very judgmental of people that always wanted to talk about Wells. And then twice I've learned the other side of the lesson, which is when I quit Wells and you know started sitting in movie stars' houses waiting for their couches to arrive, <laughs> nobody wanted to talk to me yeah. about my job anymore. Yep. And all of a sudden, like, I'd say, hey, I'm Alicia at a party. And they'd say, oh, what do you do? I'm trying to write scripts. And, like, they'd start looking over my shoulder <laughs> to find somebody else to talk to. 
that's what Neil and you I know? have been doing that bit for. <laughs> Neil, how long have you been doing that bit? 25 years? Well, oh. We got to do it for you, Alicia. Neil has this handshake at a party, meeting somebody at an L.A. party. And we, yeah, and where they we, look over your shoulder. They look over your Listen, shoulder. Yeah. But imagine, Neil, for like a year and a half, they were looking straight in my eyes and making sweet career love to me. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah. I'm nobody. <laughs> yeah. That's... And that was straight. And the same thing happened to me, Lenny, when I quit The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Listen, I it's my life backwards. So every party <laughs> I went to for 100 years, what do you do? I'm a systems engineer. Oh. And they're looking over my shoulder. Anybody else? Boring yeah. loser. Then I tell them, now I tell them I'm a comedian. Really? Stand-up comedy? They're yakking for more than I can take for more than 30 seconds. I'm like, please ask me anything else. Ask me anything. Well, that's human nature, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I hated them for wanting to talk to me about my job. Yeah. And then I, I don't hate them for not wanting to talk to me. But I think, like, hey, it's me, dude. Like, there used to be a lineup to talk to me, you know? Yeah, do I? Is this a nice shirt? Can you talk yeah. anything else? <laughs> and my husband, he developed this whole thing where he would, like, step in with Bachelor fans. He would step in and say, like, I hate to do this, but she works 24-7 when she's working, <laughs> and, like, I won't let her talk about it. Aww. Just because he was so sick and tired. Can you imagine? The poor man had to watch the show every Monday, travel all over the world, and deal with it with me. And then every time we went anywhere, that's all anyone wanted to oh, talk God. about. Well, we have and one- he's a straight male. <laughs> I'm glad he saved you. We All right, I have <laughs> one minute left in this. How excited. Why did you pick Supermarket Sweep? And... And do you, A, why'd you pick Supermarket Sweep at this point? Two, uh, B, do you think Corona could kill half the business, not notwithstanding this show? And, oh, my uh, God, all in a minute? Yeah, you got, <laughs> can you sum it? I'll right. give you two minutes. Go ahead, sum it up in two minutes. So I only take fun shows that are happy and silly and uplifting now. No more mean, no more drama, no more conflict. So Supermarket Sweep was exactly that. A silly show you that did everybody it in 15 can participate seconds. in. You did it in 15 seconds. All right. <laughs> but then you asked me about coronavirus yeah, changing ahead. the entire world. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I don't think coronavirus is going to kill the entertainment industry. I think it's going to change it and reshape it. And I think that entertainment professionals do everything they can to make things work within whatever constraints are placed on them. And fingers crossed, we can figure out a way to make this work. Very nice. And I'm going to ask you one very quick question on your one of your accounts, I think it's Instagram. You have a picture with Mel Brooks. Can you just tell us <gasps> how did you get the picture of Mel? The I greatest. love Mel Brooks. So um, you asked me how I got Supermarket Sweep. I My first game show I ever did was called To Tell the Truth, which is one of my very favorite shows on earth from its beginnings to my version. Right. And I had the great honor of asking Mr. Brooks if he would be a panelist in season three. And he came and he did two shows. Yep. And he was the greatest thing. He was everything you want him to be and more. He's very funny. He's very funny. <laughs> Uh, he's funny, he's irreverent, he's flirty without being gross. I think he's handsome, he's yeah. old school, and he can tell a story. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> awesome. Let's move on. Thank you. Boom. Yeah. That's, so welcome, Alicia, to the show. That was a, that's Neil, that might have been the best comprehensive 15 minutes I've ever heard on the show. Woo! It's so I'm, exciting. Flying, uh, I'm flying up to L.A. today. I don't care about anything. Yeah, she pumped us up for the business. <laughs> it makes it like it could happen. 
Um, I want to talk about, well, we'll kind of lead into reality television. The second corner I want to do is reality television. I'll focus a little on The Bachelor, but we'll talk about um, The Bachelor for people living under a rock is uh, an American dating and relationship reality television series that debuted on March 25th, 2002 on ABC. The show is co-hosted by Chris Harrison. Is he still the host? Yeah, he is. Okay. The show's success has resulted in several spinoffs, including The Bachelorette, Bachelor Pad, Bachelor Canada, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelor Paradise After Paradise, Bachelor Winter Games, Bachelor Presents Listen to Your Heart, and The Bachelor Summer Games. I'd say it's a pretty huge franchise. What <laughs> What is it about that show um, that is this all for women? Or men love this show, too. Like, we all know reality is not total reality, but it to me, it's, well, I'll give my opinion at the end. It's, it's uh, how much is real, how much isn't, and why is Bachelor so big? You want me to start with what I think was your first question? Yes, which why is, is Bachelor it all for so women? good? Yes, go do that. All right. So, so all I have are theories, and I think, you know, the interesting thing about working on The Bachelor is I worked there for 11 years, and... There's no truth to what makes it work. I don't think it's black and white. You cannot answer that with anything but your own opinion. But if we start with does it appeal only to women, my answer, and I would bet a lot of money versus a little bit of money on this, is that no, it also appeals to men. And one of the things that is pretty interesting about Bachelor is that we make Bachelor where there's a man and many women, and then we make Bachelorette, where there's a woman, a woman and many men. Right. And the ratings are significantly higher on Bachelor. And one theory that I have is huh. that when you're a woman watching Bachelor at home, yeah. and your husband is sitting next to you, and what you're looking at on screen is 25 very beautiful young women, often in bikinis. Right. They're a little more interested in what you're watching and might sort of tune in or, you know, tweet about it or engage than when there's one woman with 25 hunks of beef all sitting around in their trunks in the hot tub. So it's just women watching. I think, and and I think um, it's interesting. You'd think that straight people watch it because it's a heterosexual love pursuit story but so many gay men i know watch it for the like laugh at laugh with (laughs) tweet along of it so i don't know somehow it hit at a certain time it hit across a lot of demographics that i'm not sure that they were looking to hit you know i i think you're right lenny that probably the intention was to make a rom-com but a real rom-com and in general those movies are watched by women i guess so i mean i i look at it and it's like well we you know some of the stuff is fake and some of it, to me it's just to me it's sad i get really sad for most of reality television you know like mm-hmm. like when why would these people put themselves through this when why would you want to meet somebody in that way you know what i mean like you're trying to knock off 20 women to meet this one guy you don't you're not really going to get to know him with cameras rolling are you well you get to know a certain version of him and then you have time with him off camera too but it's an interesting thing i had to ask myself the same question you know, why were people doing it? And I think over time, the answer has changed. When I first started, you know, here's the thing about me. This is a podcast, so you guys don't know what I look like. But right now, I'm chubby. 
When I was growing up, I was cute. I was always a cute girl, but I was never the hot girl. Okay? Right. Always had a boyfriend, always invited to the parties, was a little bit funny without trying to be too funny, which would always turn boys off, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and I was, you know, I did just fine. But there was no ego. I didn't want to be the girl in the bathing suit. I didn't think that I could twist boys into a knot. You know, that's not who I was. This is a competition for people that are good at that sort of thing. Yeah, you but know? I don't want to go out with those people. But you wouldn't be The Bachelor, that's, right? That's so so there, there's a certain type. And I learned a lot about these people. And, and I think very differently about them now that I worked with them for a decade mm -hmm. than before I did because there's a ton of vulnerability and there's there's so much more than people from the outside looking in think about good-looking, you know, privileged 20-somethings. Um, but this country puts an incredible emphasis on looks. Yes. And if you've got them, they become what you offer to the world. You offer comedy to the world, right? And right. that's your calling card, and that's the thing that you're proud of, and that's the thing that gets you attention. Well, these people get attention for how they look, and the amount of time that you put in to your comedy and going every night to a club and, and you know telling people jokes and honing your jokes – they spend that time, and you're going to laugh at me, but with a curling iron, doing their sit-ups. Like, there's not an egg yolk in the bachelor house. It is egg white thing. You know what I mean? And they're, they're committed to their craft, right? right? And their craft is being beautiful. Right. And they intend to attract other beautiful people, and they intend to... Um, beat out other beautiful people and it was hard for me to understand from the outside looking in but it was like you know when you're good at soccer you join the soccer team and when you're good at dating guess what you join bachelor nation dude <laughs> yeah. which, leads, which leads me to uh, how hard is it to cast that show yeah casting great question that's got to be everything right you, you are you, what, are you looking for something somebody specifically um, self-centered <laughs> well there's so many ways to attack that question right like i wouldn't hire any casting person there's this amazing woman named lacy who casts the show and i think there's a few seasons she hasn't done but in general she's done them all and lacy gets to know people really well personally she asks a lot of questions she doesn't make it like a model search where everybody's just good looking what's interesting about the show is that social media i think really changed the type of people that came on the show because i think people and and you know this is more after my time than when I was there. I think people have always come on the show for multiple reasons. Like one might be to find love, one might be to travel, one might be to be on TV. You know, I'm so old that I think the people that were on a quest for fame wanted to be a host because right. that was the opportunity that seemed to lend itself after Bachelor in the early two, you know, 2000s, okay. where now they want to be influencers, right? <laughs> I think there are some people that want to fall in love and get married and have kids, and there are some that know no matter what, they can have a huge Instagram following. And so I don't know. Is it easy or hard to cast a show? One of the things that the casting department, I'm sure, are looking for is a certain amount of people that actually want to be on The Bachelor versus want the post-Bachelor life. Right. <laughs> um, do... Uh, if you could ever get what? Lenny on The Bachelor, I'll, no. I'll pay all the money in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we don't take married men. Uh, they don't take married men. 
No, that well, that's a good question. I was gonna say, can you drop somebody like me in The Bachelor? I mean, would it really upset the apple cart? Like, if you had one gigantic woman from the Bronx, you know what I mean? Well, like, you have something that that I think does get put on The Bachelor, which is humor, and the, the you know something that's that was sad for me as the years went by on Bachelor was that. It just was like a tiny little social experiment where I kind of learned that, you know, in American culture, uh, funny is a great weapon in your arsenal of dating when you're a man. Mm -hmm. And funny is not the equivalent for a woman. And, you know, it just it, it became for me. And I don't think that The Bachelor is telling about all of America, but it's it's a little Cinderella slice. (laughs) <laughs> you know, of dreamers, right. and it's a little old-fashioned. And one of the reasons that I left was that it started for me to become repetitive. And as much as I tried to sort of change the variables sometimes and try to experiment with some different personality types, or you know, it works best as a fairy tale Cinderella story. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just I don't know how many people would want to do it for more than eleven years. It was time <laughs> for me right. to go. Um, my wife, I want to transition real quick into another reality show. My wife likes 90 Day Fiance, right? I yeah. watch this. I, I, I'm speechless. First of all, my wife is another story. I mean, valedictorian, you know, very smart lady, right? CPA, mm-hmm. you know, in finance, makes a lot of money, right? This is her getaway, getaway, you know, shut it all down. I'm going to watch 90 Day Fiance. You know, these are her. This yeah, is, it's her dirty is, secret. That's right. Know? Oh, it, it's very dirty. I watch <laughs> four seconds of the show. I want to blow up the house. I want to divorce her. <laughs> I want to, what is the matter with you? Like, I don't get this. It's so upsetting to me how these people clearly are rubes. And, you know, like the hot chick from Russia is married to like some blob, you know, wants to get married to some blob in in, uh, Tennessee. I I don't understand what's happening. You know, like, why is this? Why are people watching this? They're watching the train wreck. And is there any morals left in the world for people putting this garbage on TV? I don't have to answer for you, but I'll tell you that I don't feel that differently from you. And I am going to plug a show that I made. So. So I left Bachelor. I said that dating shows are behind me. I'm going to do tell the truth and I'm going to do encore and I'm going to do all this stuff. And then a Netflix dating show knocked on my door and I said, I love this dating show. I'm going to do it. This is about real people. This is about dinner dates. This is about conversation. It's a show called Dating Around. And Lenny, I would love you to watch episode four for me because it's the exact opposite of what you said. And he's an older guy. I think he's 72. He's a widower and he goes on five dates with five women. But, um, okay. But my point actually that I'm trying to make, and I'm sorry it's taking me so long, is that I think Dating Around, which got great critical acclaim in the New Yorker and the New York Times, and like everybody that I respect loved it. I think, you know, it got a second season, which isn't out yet, and I think Netflix likes it. But then this show, Love is Blind, comes along, and it premieres on Netflix, and it's about um, choosing your partner without seeing them, and then you get engaged in order to be able to see them for the first time. I haven't watched it, so I can't tell you a whole lot more about it, but it's one of those, like, spiky, like, 90-day fiancé, like a like a really outrageous premise, and it it like was viewed through the roof. It was like Tiger King numbers. You know what I mean? The top 
show on Netflix. So to some extent, I, I don't know if, if we're immoral as humans, which you were sort of saying, you know, is there any morality left? But yeah. some funny bone needs to be tickled or something with these outrageous shows, because when you just make like a great, real, pretty kinder but still you know human beings i think are interesting so when you put a camera on a human being if a storyteller is looking through that camera they're gonna find interesting things somehow we've trained our population not to look for interesting things they have to be like shoved down their throat you know yeah people love the fantasy more than they love an actual reality story you know what i mean yeah like you have it's to work to go on these dates. You have to work to find somebody, and everybody knows that, but there's always the people who want to just be like, oh, I went on this reality show, found my partner perfect, he's gorgeous. Look, gorgeous. It, it comes back to what we were saying. Do they look you in the eye and find a, something to talk to you about, or do they look over your shoulder to find the next shiny object? That's you know, right. It's not just in L.A. Yeah. On all these dating shows, people are sitting at home, and they're looking over the person on screen's shoulder to see who the next one coming is. It's what Tinder is, yeah, right? Yeah. Swipe it's left, like you swipe, swipe, yep. swipe. No, that one's not good enough. That one's not good enough. It's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's scary. It is scary. Ugh. Reality oh, television. Yeah. Neil, do you watch any of this stuff? Does Bethel watch any of it? No, it just reminds me the conversation is like, it's like the uh, trying to watch a film with subtitles. It's like, oh my God, I got to read? It's, <laughs> it's a weird thing that's happened to everybody. Like, no one can... Everyone just doesn't want to think, and they just want to go to this thing so they don't think. It's, it's a weird thing. Yeah. I... Well, it's frozen dinner, right? It's like you said, you know, why does your wife watch 90 Day Fiance or something? It's It's junk food. You know, sometimes <laughs> I find myself reaching for something that I shouldn't be eating and my body knows I shouldn't eat it and my bikini certainly knows I shouldn't eat it and and yet I rip the bag open and crunch it up, you know, and I think people do the same with their television sets. Well, I'm going to do that for now on, Alicia. I'm going to wa- she's watching it. I'm going to walk around right the room and go, "Junk food." <laughs> Just All right, let's move on. Let's do a news rundown, Neil. Oh, let's do it. All right, give me a corona update out in pencil. We'll go around the, the, the United States here. Apparently, well, I can ask Alicia. I just saw this thing yesterday, this map, and Neil and I were talking about it before we had you on uh, today, that there is a you know map for reopening the United States with, with the new modeling that has come out, and it looks like New York, you know, when we'll get serious about you know getting back in action here somewhere around june 7th the first week of june but california since you guys did such a better job than everybody it's it looks like like may 15th they're talking in that area is that how you feel out there is that what you're hearing that's what i've heard and and i wonder a lot about it um my heart feels like it's it's a New Yorker, even though I only lived there for one year, and I feel like we shouldn't come out of our house before you guys do. <laughs> but, you know, I, I listen, you have a much harder city. You're densely populated. You have elevators. You know, uh, those sidewalks are full of people. I understand why the caution's bigger, well, and you've been more affected. What's going to happen if you guys open on the 15th and we're still, like, closed? We're not getting on a plane and coming to film that show, right? Well, we can't film the show without you guys. So, <laughs> right, so we can't. You know, we'll, I mean, we'll extend our prep, I guess, you know, and we'll continue having our fun Zoom meetings. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll read through scripts and we'll hone content. But, you know, there's no supermarket sweep without Leslie Jones. That's true. And the, at least the peak 
I think we, you know, we hit the peak and it's coming down, but it's not like I tell Neil, it's not like it goes down to zero. The peak, it has to go down the hill, you know, until it gets to a respectable. Well, An hour that's the thing. Be- I mean, a, a governor saying that maybe California can, you know, change its safer at home practices on May 15th doesn't mean that we're putting 150 people on a soundstage <laughs> right. and shooting a television show on May 16th. You know, I don't know what it means. They're going to teach us what it means. But my guess is that there are going to be a lot of things that we need to figure out. Do we have a studio audience? You know, how many cameras are really shooting the show? I don't know enough about testing. And, you know, no one has, I'm not giving you any official information, but sometimes I wonder, are companies going to wait until we figure out how we can test people and then figure out who can and can't come into a stage? I don't know. We've been saying yes. I've been saying yes. Like you're going to have to, everybody's going to have to get a test. You're going to have a piece of paper like, you know, when you were in, you know, Europe in the 50s, some kind of weird passport that says you've been tested, you have the antibodies, you can come in, you know. And then Listen, you say Europe in the 50s. I'll tell you, as a Canadian, when I moved here and I started going to the doctor in the States and mm-hmm. like you're having, you know, a freckle removed and you have to sign a piece of paper that says like, if I die, it's not the doctor's <laughs> fault. Every time a doctor does something to you in the States, like they don't make us sign that in Toronto. But... <laughs> That's what I feel like. Are they going to start giving us paperwork? It's says, possible. like, if you enter this place of work and you catch COVID, it's not our fault, and you're just signing your life away. That's every what I was minute. saying. I think that's what Americans like to do. That's what I'm saying at comedy <laughs> clubs. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be some fine print. You come in, you agree to, if you get COVID, you can't sue the club. That's yeah. the only way they're going to get people yeah. back in there. Um, Neil, what's going on in Pennsylvania? You, you, is it people? You know, seeing mass, you still... Yeah, it's getting more normal, but I, I still stick with my thing that we're talking about. Let's open up South Dakota and let them <laughs> hang around for like a month, and then we'll go by what happens there. Yeah. I, if it's, if well, it's good, we'll be like, let's go, but... That's, that's my solution. Well, that's happening now. I mean, what's going to happen is we're all going to have to stay in lockdown because we're waiting for the dumbest of the dumb. So it's like, okay, Georgia decided they're going to let people out their beaches, blah, blah, blah. They're going to turn bright red as far as the map concern, right? And then we're all just going to have to wait because some idiot from Georgia is going to want to come to New York <laughs> and he's going to start all over again. So it's like, uh, it's good. this is going to be a while, uh, but at I least there's some light. Just like a plane, and then we'll all figure out how to do it, and then we'll be off and running. And, you know, taking on, we'll all have a mask on. We're going to all have gloves. Everyone's just going to figure out what that look is and what that thing is, and then we're going to be off and running. So Leslie's going to have a Burberry um, mask, and they're going to have matching sweaters on the show, but with masks, and they're going to be like, Oh, my God. Fashion week is going to be so good, isn't it? I can't wait. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the next one. Um, Kim Jong-un, did you hear this thing, Neil, that he's probably dead? I don't Whoa, know. I, I didn't hear that, that far. From. Yeah. They're they're like he had some kind of surgery or something and he's in supposedly brain dead in a you know, on life support. They're just keeping him alive until they figure out what the hell to do. Nobody's seen him. They think he's dead. Well, no one knows what the truth is of anything anymore, but that we definitely will never know the truth because they'll just <laughs> they'll just Put somebody else out there for a little while, and it will be like, I think that's him. They're going to do Weekend at Bernie's with Weekend at Kim (laughs) Jong-un? Yeah, we'll we'll never know. He could be alive. He could be dead. We'll never know. Dead to America. They're just moving his head and our hands around. So ridiculous. Uh, I don't know. You're right. You're never going to find out. Well, I mean, they'll eventually make a statement when they figure out who's going to take over for him. I don't know if the 
you know, they want to keep it in the family most likely. But he was young. He was like he's like not even forty, I don't think. Is there a successor? I don't know. I mean, he took over. Is there a child? His children would be in their 20s, so that's crazy. Well, we have a child, so maybe they have a child. Yeah, I know. I don't think he has anybody to keep killed. Everybody else, there's no one left. And so it's like down to him, or or they they, they have no replacement. That's the problem. Yeah, they have a problem. If you look at that satellite picture of North Korea, it's just always dark at night and that no one's going to know anything that's the craziest thing about it whatever it is the the next person i will put down money they have a better haircut (laughs) (laughs) um and then alicia told me this story that came up this week did you hear about this one neil and neil loves animals so pandas finally had Uh sex in the zoo because nobody was watching did you hear about the the best neil where was that was but it not San- in the States. Sandy, oh, it wasn't in the States. There was two pandas. They were trying to get them to mate for like 10 years, and then finally, I guess nobody was watching, so they finally had sex. Is that amazing? Uh, well, that's how me and Gina got pregnant. That was good. Because <laughs> usually people watch. Yeah, always. You know, the, the, you know, the buildings <laughs> are so City. close together. Yeah, Neil, the first time, Alicia, that Neil ever came to my apartment when I moved to Manhattan, he's, give me your binoculars, and I had to find him, and he goes out onto the balcony, (laughs) and he's looking at other buildings for any action that's going on. Right, Neil? So how did you and Gina know that there was no Neil across the way (laughs) when you made Birdie? (laughs) Well, I think we did it in the Hamptons. Oh, right. Yeah, nobody was around. I don't know. That makes no. That makes complete sense. There's too much pressure on the pandas. With no pressure, that, that everything was good. But yeah, yeah I right? mean, in New York, you got to go out in the you got to go out in the bat. Lenny lives literally like right across the street from a guy that built an extra room. Right, like you could reach <laughs> it with true. your hand. That's how close the room yeah, was. Yeah, some guy like like built a room on to- on top of the roof. Just to get an like extra room. Like an extension room. to his yes. condo? Yeah, I don't even know if it's yeah. an extension. For some reason, I think, I don't know if it's an extension to his condo, Neil, or he just like, it's just another piece of the building that sort of an ad hoc, you know, like thing yeah, that popped up. It was crazy. It's crazy, yeah. It oh, was, my God. Was, that's welcome to New York, that kind of thing. He wanted, that guy wanted you to look. He was waiting. He, he built oh, yeah, it for you true. to watch. That's true. Um, the NFL draft is tomorrow, Neil. This is my, my theory. Go ahead, Donald Trump. Have your press conference at 7 o'clock p.m. because nobody's going to watch it. We're all going to be watching the NFL draft. This is the first sports, like, legitimate that I'll get to watch in, like, two months. Neil, I'm so excited for the, for the NFL draft. Neil, do you my, love sports, too? Oh, yeah. So my theory is that Trump's going to somehow win. He's going to take that, take it off the news or take it off the network, something. He's going after the NFL draft tomorrow. You think? You think he's going to come yeah. out with some bombshell that we all have to flip over? He'll do something to break in and ruin everything. That's what he's going to do. Uh, maybe unless he has a heart attack, I'm not turning the channel for like seven hours. I'm going to tell you that right <laughs> now. Um, Lenny, I have a little bit of trivia that I have to tell you, which is that I have a theory that The Bachelor is a little like watching the draft for people that don't like sports. <laughs> That's a good theory. I think they people, you know, they bet on it. They have pools, oh. and maybe that'll help you relate a little bit more to oh it. God. That there's, Jer- you know, it's a horse race. Jared Freed here. I don't know if you know Jared Freed. He's with Betches. You ever hear of Betches? Like, no. He this. There are people making full careers out of just watching The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's like the draft. I mean, you're just as crazy as those viewers yeah, are. But you're I, just crazy about sports. I've had nothing to watch. 
sports wise. So now finally I can get we can get this done. You know what I mean? Like something. Are you sad about the Olympics? Yes, we were. You know, there was talk that Leslie and I were going to go to the Olympics. Was, oh right, of course. So yeah, yeah. So we don't know. That's pushed back a year. So she's not mm-hmm. thrilled about it's that crazy. one. Yeah, and this is big draft actually for LA um, because you got a brand new stadium going up there. And I grew up a Rams fan, believe it or not. And uh, they're going back, you know, they're in LA now again. And then they'll, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. They got a brand new stadium, brand new everything. You know, the Chargers (laughs) are in there too. And they dunked their quarterback they've had for 20 years just to start anew. And then, of course, there's going to be no season. (laughs) So So now, is every kid that's in the draft, these like football stars, are they all wanting to be with Tampa now because of all these big, like, well, I mean, Tampa? Brady's not only going to be there. Well, how long, Neil? He wants to play two, three more years. Yeah, he's two more years. Forty-two years old, you know, or forty-something years old. Like, yeah, right. they're all going there. They think Tampa's going to be this super team, whatever. But you know, Bill Belichick's a genius for a reason. So I don't think it's going to go as smoothly as they think. But and also, they won't. They play in a harder division than New England ever did. So I don't know. There's a long way to go before I believe that Tom Brady at forty-two. And Rod Gronkowski coming off a year off with a coronavirus, probably not even going to play the year, so the whole thing's moot. Um, who knows? Uh, it just seems too Oof. too mir- miraculous to say that Tampa Bay would come in and just run the table. But interesting. I'll take it. That's my reality show, episode four, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, meanwhile, speaking of documentaries, the Michael Jordan documentary, you asked me this yesterday, Alicia. I love... I love documentaries so much more than I love a movie that's made. Like you said, OJ, like the OJ mm-hmm. documentary that ESPN did was so incredible. And then, Fantastic. of course, and then, of course, you know, the Travolta one, whatever. And it was very, <laughs> it was very good, but it never holds up to the original. The ESPN one is just dynamite. Right, Neil? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that. That's a really good document. But the Jordan documentary is good. The Jordan documentary is fantastic, and it really rolls. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to see ten years from now, it's like some guy playing Michael Jordan, and some guy they got to put the Bulls together, and they do stupid basketball footage with guys that kind of look like the guys that like just watch the documentary. Even movies, I hate them. Like Ray, Ray the Ray. I mean, he Jamie Fox. Yeah, he was good, but the doc, the movie was okay. And just same wa- with I, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. The Mr. Rogers documentary was amazing. Amazing, and then right? They put like Tom Hanks, arguably America's favorite actor, and he's just not Mr. Rogers. Yeah, you want to <laughs> the documentary? The guy, it's he's not. It's not a hundred years. A hundred years later, you might be able to pull it off. You know, like I didn't well, know. There him. are some people that there aren't. Foot, there's not enough archival. You know, when you've got <laughs> right. an OJ or a Michael Jordan, there's so much beautiful real archival footage primary source you know when you're doing the civil war it feels different right you know? so, so anytime they have like the real documentary i love it so much more than any like remake of a thing especially like you said if they have the footage so yeah watch yeah, i rec- this is, this recommend is getting big, so the movie's gonna happen right after and then i'm I'm smelling a Broadway show coming <laughs> to public show. the mj Broadway show <laughs> i got the, the and whole who's mj Gigs? <laughs> I don't know who's a Broadway a Broadway star that can play basketball and dance. Yeah, and that. And then after that, it still keeps going. And after they do the Broadway show, then Michael Jordan himself will do a one-person show. Right, like your Springsteen. Like Springsteen. Smart. Uh, Neil saw that, Alicia, and he's, it made him cry, believe it or not. Do you not I cry do. often, Neil? 
No, Neil. You know doesn't, what? Neil doesn't cry often, but he he I, almost once cries. every once every twenty five years I cry, and that was <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Oh Neil, you gotta cry more. Springsteen. Well, it's tough to get us, but every once in a while, when we used to go, we used to go to the movies a lot. That was Neil and I's thing, you know. Like we'd take Bethel, we go to the movies, and whoever I was dating at the time, we go to the movies. <laughs> we loved it. We loved movies, you know. So if I my spots were done early, we'd go to the movies. Now I have too many spots. I'm never done early. But once in a while, we 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 always went back to the movies. And at the end, if it was like a tearjerker or whatever, Neil would like go, "Did it get you? Did they get you?" <laughs> And every once in a well, while. Now I have a question for you. Does your wife cry, Lenny, in movies and television? Um, I don't. I don't. Never seen her cry off of movies and television. No. Oh, does Bethel Neil? Oh, forget. Oh my God. Forget it. Forget it. That's me. I'm like Bethel. Cries at a like I can't the, even. The Academy watch Awards. Commercial. The Academy like, Awards. She cries. The ASAP. The ASPCA commercial when the when Sarah McLaughlin turn. I have to turn everything. I control all input because she'll cry in seconds at everything. Oh, the the Academy Awards, Alicia. She's been acting for so long that anytime somebody gives a speech. And the second they tear up or anything, Bethel lose. It's over. It's over. It's, 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 so I cry during the Academy Awards, but not when someone big and famous cries. I cry when like that. Wait, 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 and try to get away from it because if she sees it, she'll almost start crying. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! You cry too at the Academy Awards, Alicia? I'm sorry. Yeah, what? but I don't cry if like Nicole Kidman has won an award. <laughs> I cry for like that chubby shorts producer yeah. that has finally won an uh, Oscar and yeah. they funded it with like their summer camp counselor savings <laughs> and uh, oh, they kill me. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's tough to get me on those. I just like, I do, Bethel crying does make me laugh very, very hard though every time. <laughs> like, Bethel, you don't even know these people. You don't know these, you don't know them. They get to cry. Lenny, she has a heart. Yeah, she Bethel does. Bethel has a heart. You'll see, so yeah. Bad. You're cold. I'm cold. And Neil is cold. Yeah, we are cold. <laughs> Sorry. I've given her all my heart. <laughs> all right, last one. You know, oh, I love comedians, but, yeah. but sometimes... You look so hard for the clever, you lose the heart. <laughs> yeah, save it all to her. I have no empathy. I tell my wife this all the time, you know? <laughs> so but when Birdie cries, Gina's like, oh, oh it's no. okay. And I'm just like, nope. <laughs> she's, got a, she's playing <laughs> you like a fiddle. Um, all right, last one. Taxes were due. We missed the April 15th deadline. It's like July 15th. I personally want to get it over with. I don't know why I can't. I want my taxes done. I don't know. I just want to be done with it. It's such a going to, you know, I like to have that number. I know I have to pay them. Let me pay them and get it over with. And let me just know how much money I have. Your thoughts. Plus you have the time now. You have the time to get it done. Yeah. I just submitted it to the accountant has it already. Neil, what about you? I think I, I just think there should not be a due date at all. I like this. I like to pay <laughs> whenever you want and just let it, let it float around. That's just much better. <laughs> Of course, anything not to pay anything as long as possible for Neil. I get it. All right, let's move on. All right. This, oh, the bell. The bell. The bell. It's brutal. All right, so Neil, I'm going to put you in the – You're gonna. I'm going to call you back, and uh, we're going to do a little quiz. All right. It's 15 questions, and it's a speed round, Neil, so you got to – you know, don't hem and haw because she's going to beat you. Bye, I got Neil. Four, five, so help me. All right, bye. 
All right. Randy, I hope you know how much I love you that I'm willing to do a quiz. Oh, this is this is easy peasy. We usually <laughs> we try It's worse it's worse when you say it's easy. Tell me it's really hard. <laughs> oh, it's really, really hard. Well Neil make it look hard. You'll see. He he always starts off fast and then by the end of it he chokes like nobody's business and the person beats him. <laughs> I don't know how it happens, but he gets very cocky. So that's why I, I told I don't want to give him any, you know, hints because he will go and look. And this is this is pretty easy, I think. There's a lot of description, but if you listen, you'll get it. So this is a TV logo quiz. So the okay. logo, the network logo, I will describe it. You just tell me the network. That's it. Oh, boy. All right. Easy. I'll okay. try. 15 quid. Well, everybody tries. And then, so, you know, whatever. As long as you beat Neil, <laughs> that's what we're going for. All right. Here we go. And I'm going to put time. You're going to clock it. So the usually, unless it comes down to a tie, we... Um, we go with who did it, it the quickest. All right, here we go. Number one, the familiar eye trademark has been used continuously. CBS. Boom, one for one. It is red, which is powerful, attention-grabbing color that is well-suited to news coverage. Moreover, the three letters of the logo appear to have been made with one stroke that continues on after them, giving the impression of continuity. News, CNN? Yes. Number three, the copyright-looking mark actually serves to brand the network's comedy. The logo demonstrates... Comedy Central. There you go. I should take out the word comedy. Four, the H is drawn in a bold traditional font with a gold color. History. Yes. See how they get harder. That's how we work. This, (laughs) This network logo pulls out every subliminal trick in the book to keep you buying their products. First, the company logo uses a sky blue color palette, which is calming and cooling to consumers who may oh not God, want to spend their network who may they, not want to spend their money if they're worried about the their self. financial situation. The circular shape. QVC. Um, the other one. Shopping network. Yeah. Shopping network. Yeah. We'll give it to you. Uh, <laughs> six. This is. Uh, this. Oh, their logo is because is perfect because red and orange make most people feel hungry. This network is smart to use this food network. There you go. <laughs> Number seven, the Peacock. NBC. Yep. Number eight, this network was once known for pouring slime on its biggest stars. The splatter uh, Nickelodeon. Yep. Number nine, this the initial logo for this service was designed as block letters on a red screen. That's it, but it means so much more. The letters were arched in a way to cleverly look like an old projected curve, and the that only uh, and that only continues in the shadowing behind the white letters, making the entire Shit. the entire look like a projected movie on a screen. The, TBS. No. Oh, the Movie Network. They only increase the brilliance of this logo by putting it on red background. The, the same deep red of theater curtains, the kind they use at old movies, plays, musicals, and the same deep red they use for the red carpet. Oh, my God. What is the old? Oh, boy. Turner Classics. Uh, no. All right. Let's keep going. Number I don't know that. that you do, though. Sorry, the, number 10, this logo featuring two partial red spheres forming the T to describe... Uh, to capture the duality of their audience, balancing the strong connection to their Latin roots with their contemporary mindset of living in the U.S. Mm, Telemundo. Yes. (laughs) This logo is the acronym written in a highly modern, modern signature font. 
The red color represents the passion and love of the sports and entertainment and the business responsible of the responsibility of the channel, whereas the white color stands for his integrity. ESPN? Yes. This, this, <laughs> oh my God, how many more? <laughs> there's only four more. This logo is for an American basic cable channel that is the most prominent television network targeting African-American audiences. B-E-T. Yes. This logo has a new sleeker black and white version of the original black, bright blue one, but has stayed true to that talk bubble shape. This channel originally focused on programming related to fine arts and film. It currently broadcasts several reality. A&E? No, a different one. I'll give you another shot. Several reality television series targeted 25 to 54-year-old women, as well as the gay community, along with acquired and original dramas and mainstream theatrically released feature films. Bravo. Yes. Bravo. The the logo for this network is pink lettering, most recently recently changed from inside a circle to just the word mark in bold pink. This network is a premier logo. Uh, this network is a premier entertainment destination for women, dedicated to offering the high, dedicated offering the highest quality oxygen original programming, spanning award winning movies, highly scripted series, and the breakout lifetime. Okay, lifetime. There you go. <laughs> This is not what I'm going to give Neil. You get good job though. The rec- last one, the recognizable head shape began pointing in the opposite direction at his as PBS. Yes, it is PBS. Correct. Boom. See, I know PBS better than all. <laughs> Do you want to go back and take a shot at that other one? I'll give you one more shot at it. Oh yeah, give me a shot. Okay. It's something about old movies. The initial logo for this service, for this service. Was design service. was design. I can't give you the other word in front of that because it'll kill it. Deserve, was designed as block letters on a red screen. That's it. HBO. Oh, so close, but it but it easily means so much more. The letters were arched in a way to cleverly look like an old projected curve that only Showtime. <laughs> okay, we're done. All right, so you got fourteen out of fifteen. I'll give you. <laughs> if Neil gets fourteen out of fifteen, I'll be shocked. And you did it in about six minutes. So. All right, let me get him back on the phone. By the way, you're um, you should be the writer of the content on oh, no. Supermarket Sweep. That was so fun. Oh, I stole that from the on, on most of it online. Some of it's mine, but most of it's that like Wikipedia combined with other stuff. Okay. I didn't write that. That's pretty fun. Uh, yeah, I told you, we yeah. are all about fun here. Uh, yeah, super. Now watch Neil Hemenhaw his way through this garbage. He's gonna make me read everything three times. <laughs> Oh, I got a um, I don't know. It's 15, yes. 15 questions, and she got um, 14. <laughs> so, uh, yes? Okay. Well, <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right, here we go. This <laughs> what is, is a quiz? This is a TV logo quiz. Oh, uh, I'm going to describe the network or the logo, and you just give me what, what, what channel it is. That's it. Oh, gosh, all right. All you do is watch TV. Quit whining. Let's do it. All right. TV logo quiz. Number one, the and she did it in six minutes, so you got to do it quicker than that. Number one, the familiar eye trademark has been used continuously since 1951. This is an appropriate graphic for several reasons. First, viewers watch the program with their eyes, obviously. Second, the network <laughs> is known for their news reporting, making them an eye around the world. Oh, shit. Seriously? 
The I. The I. What channel has the I as their logo, you moron? I don't know. CBS? Yes. What do you think that is? What do you think that is? I guess that I got it. All right. Number two. It is red, which is powerful, attention-grabbing color that is well-suited to news coverage. Moreover, the three letters of the logo appear to have been made with one stroke that continues on after them, giving the impression of continuity. CNN. Yes. Two for two, Neil. His usual fast start. Number three, the copyright-looking mark actually serves to brand the network's comedy. The logo demonstrates the brand's irreverence and to package the network as a true icon of the counterculture. Comedy Central? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the word comedy is in it. I don't know. All right. Number four. The H is drawn in a bold traditional font with gold color and extremely large size for added seriousness. The History Channel. There you go. See? Now you're rolling. Number five. All right. Well, maybe you'll run the table, Neil. You only have ten, <laughs> ten in a row. You win it. Number five, this network pulls out every subliminal trick in the book to keep you buying their products. First, the company logo uses a sky blue color palette, which is calming and cooling to consumers who may not want to spend their money if they're worried about their financial situation. The circular shape is friendly enough to make the network and its employees seem like an old friend that viewers want to return to. The lettering is solid and plain, making it easy to remember in a sea of cable networks. Wait, read that again? Oh, I knew you piece of garbage. <laughs> I don't know. The Home Shopping Network? Yes. Woo, I just guess. Well, I'll take it. I'll okay. take it. All right, let me light up the buzzer because they're going to get harder now. So, All right, we're getting ready. Number six, this is because red, oh, red and orange make most people feel hungry. This network is smart to use this color in their corporate logo and even smarter to put the name in the middle of a circle. Not only this. Food ver- Network. Yes. Food network. Good. Good job. Number seven, the peacock. <laughs> NBC. Nice. Gina would hit you if you didn't know that one. Okay, number eight. The network was once known for pouring slime on its biggest stars, and the splatter shape of this children's logo has a lot of this. Yes. Okay, num- number nine. The initial logo for this service was designed as block letters on a red screen. That's it, but it means so much more. The letters were arched in a way to cleverly look like an old projected curve, and that only continues in the shadowing behind the white letters, making it making the entire title to look like a projected movie screen movie on a screen. They only increased the brilliance of the logo by putting it on a red background, the same deep red of theater curtains, the kind they used in old movies, plays, musicals, and the same red they use on the red carpet. Uh, Turner Classic? Nope. Nope. Good try, though. All right, let's go. Number 10. What, what, what was that one? Not oh, yes. That one was Netflix. Oh, yeah. oh. All right, that's the one she got wrong, Neil. So now you have to get If you run the table, you can tie. Oh. All right, you got to go. I think you got six more. Number 10. This logo features two partial red spheres forming the T to describe... To capture the du- duality of the audience, balancing the strong connection to their Latin roots with their contemporary mindset of living in the United States. Jesus. Uh, uh, Univision? It's performing the letter T. 
Oh, Formula SP. Uh, oh, Telemundo. There you go, Univision. I really... Sh- <laughs> you're lucky you're in Pennsylvania because if you sit next to me, I'd smack you so hard. <laughs> Number 11. The logo is the acronym written in a highly modern, modern signature font. The red color represents the passion and love of sports and entertainment and the business responsibility of the channel. With a white... Yeah. yeah. Okay, 12. See, you're doing good. This logo is for an American basic cable channel that is the most prominent television network for targeting African-American audiences. BT. There you go. All right, Neil. Three. You run three in a row. You've got a tie. We'll go to the extra. This logo has a new sleeker black and white version of the original bright blue one, but has stayed true to the talk bubble shape. The channel originally focused on programming related to fine arts and film. It currently broadcasts several reality television series targeted at 25 to 54-year-old women, as well as the gay community, along with acquired and original dramas and mainstream theatrical-released feature films. Shit. Uh, <laughs> and this is where it ends. <laughs> Bravo? Yes! Oh! Ooh, all right, two left. The logo for this network is a pink lettering most recently changed from inside a circle to just the word mark in bold pink. The night time. Yes. How do you know that one so fast? That's bizarre. I've been watching a lot of Lifetime this last couple weeks. <laughs> oh, Bethel. All right, last one for the tie, Neil. Guilty pleasure. For the tie, the recognizable head shape has begun began pointing in the opposite direction and is now to form the first cha- letter of the channel and has since been flipped around and matched with two identical images of the corporate in the corporate logo. Because the image in the middle is made with negative space, it is black on most backgrounds, which matches the station's value of diversity. Oh, shit. You gotta be <laughs> kidding. You gonna choke on the last one? I don't wait. I wait. Say the, say the first right. part again? The recognizable head shape began pointing in the opposite direction as it is now to form the first letter of the channel. It has since been flipped around and matched with two identical images of the new corporate logo. Because well, I the, thought you were going to do ABC somewhere, but I don't know if that's the... Uh, uh, is that what you're going with? Yeah, I guess i got to go with that. <laughs> Ah, I thought you'd have to do it. Oh, shit. Uh, the head logo is PBS. Uh, oh, my God. I was well, saved by PBS. The winner is Alicia Rossiter. Uh, <laughs> Neil, you're Neil. a formidable opponent. Yeah, he always gets close. He always gets close. I've watched a lot of TV over the last two weeks. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The way we... The way we end the show, Alicia, we didn't tell you about this, and we'll start first so you can think. It's one good thing or one bad thing of the week. So you have a good thing you can come up with or a bad thing you can come with or both. Neil, do you want to start? What's your good thing or bad thing of the week? Oh, yeah, because we were talking, so I was, like, uh, watching the Michael Jordan special, and then I, I, uh, because I haven't really done anything in three weeks, but I I did meet Michael Jordan, so I figure that's my connection to the whole thing. That's your that good thing guess. of the week? You're going to tell me a story? When did you meet him? Well, I, I went, uh, when he was playing uh, at Chicago, I go. I was friends with the head bull, the cheerleader of the head bull, the Chicago Bulls. Wow. So she took us backstage, or back, back by the locker room, 
and we wait for Michael Jordan, and he comes out like an hour after everybody else, and and he comes over to us, and you could tell he's so upset that he doesn't want to do anything, but he makes them take a picture with us and talk to us for a second, and then, and so that was my Michael Jordan story, and to this day, nobody really believes it, because I had a camera with me, and one of the things he got super annoyed by was that he had a pose for a picture with us, so I have a picture of me with Michael Jordan, however, the camera had a roll of film already in it, so... It was me with Michael Jordan and and the girl, the cheerleader, the with her family barbecuing out in the backyard, and so it was a double exposed <laughs> picture, so you couldn't see that it was anybody. So still to this day, no one knows that I really met Michael Jordan. No one All right, it. I need to see this picture really bad now. That's funny. I have the picture. You cannot. It just you can see their <laughs> figures, but you can't see anybody's face. It's so sad. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. So that's both a good thing and a bad thing. That is a good thing and a bad thing. That is. That's a classic Neil story. It's when I learned to lie. That's the day I learned to lie. My good thing of the week is, and I haven't mentioned it yet in six weeks, but what's saving me through this uh, pandemic is Central Park. Shout out to Central Park. It's the greatest park in the the United States. We go, I take Birdie every morning. We go out at 9 o'clock, somewhere between 9 and 9.30, and we don't come back till like 11.30 lunch. And we go walking around. We explore Central Park. We see, you know, we even got down to the zoo that's closed. We feed the ducks and, and the turtles at the turtle pond. We see musicians that are playing out there, and we throw a dollar in their bucket. You know, we see we get some sunlight. You can lo- you get you get lost. You can kill time. Birdie loves it. She can run around. There's no mask. There's nobody around in a lot of these places. So it's that's saving me. So thank you, Central Park, for uh, saving my New York life right now. Alicia, do you have one good thing, one bad thing of the week? Sure. Um, I think a good thing is that I'm realizing how great it is to be holed up with my kids because I'm getting to know a whole different side of them. Like last night. Uh, my little boy was reading something out loud and instead of reading blue bell he read blue ball and my husband and i started laughing and then we looked over at my 10 year old girl and she was peeing her pants laughing and i was like do you get that no, and she, she says was, yeah she gets that no and she goes it's dirty and then i was like this would never have happened if we weren't all stir crazy holed up in the same house for six weeks I feel like I know them so much better than I knew them six weeks ago, and that's a really wonderful thing. And the bad thing, the bad thing is I've fallen in love with the two of you, and I don't get to see you like I'm supposed to be seeing you for months. Well, you'll get to see me every Friday in a little tiny square on the the run when we we do our Zoom. And you you bring your taboo buzzer. I do my bring this. That's where I have this buzzer for this, for just telling Neil he's wrong. That's why I bought this oh, buzzer. Got it. And that's why I have a buzzer. Um, it comes in a pair and it comes with like a good answer too. Like you got it right. It's a right. And literally says right on one and wrong on the other. But I don't use the right one for Neil. We just say right and move on. Um, but we'll see you Friday on the thing. I may, if this, if Neil is in the script in one of these weeks, then uh, we'll we'll see if we can get him to joined from the bunker right neil i don't know how the wi-fi is yep. doing out there but yeah all right. cool. we might give it a shot um alicia rossiter this was so much fun do you, other than do you want to 
tell us any shows that you've worked on that we should all be watching, or can I give your Instagram and Twitter? Do you care? Listen, if you, if anyone has any time on their hands these days, and you want to tune into Dating Around Season One on Netflix, I recommend it, especially Episode Four. There you go. And then I do a show on Disney Plus called Encore, which. Lenny told me he thinks Bethel would like. Oh, my God. Um, Did she watch it? I send it. Did she watch it, Neil? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, ask her. I got to talk to her. Okay. Awesome. She'll but, w- yeah, that's a silly show where we take a bunch of regular Americans that did a high school musical at one point in their life together, and we make them do it again 5, 10, 20, sometimes 50 years later. Wow. And it's pretty terrific. I and love it. it's nothing like all those shows you don't like, Lenny, that feels fake or that feels like the wrong people were cast it's totally a slice of real life it's slice of life yeah, I love and, that it's, idea. and it's also like you you guys have edited in a way that at least the one i saw which was it's like uplifting and cathartic for a lot of these people and also like you root for them like crazy to like pull off this musical and the the uh you bring in pros like a director like broadway professionals to come in and uh help the cast along and they are they couldn't be more nurturing, at least the one I saw. And it, it's really, it's a very good show. I'm definitely going to watch the other one you sent me as well. Yeah, it's called Encore. I think I forgot to say that. But the thing about Encore, I think you hit it on the nose. It, it's uplifting because it's real and because the pe- people are great. People are great. You can always find something great. Yep. Uh, and your Instagram and Twitter is at leading lady, L-A-I-D-Y on the lady part, right? That's my daughter's name, so that's why the I. Oh, leading lady, that's cute. Okay. Thank you so much for doing this. That was. I appreciate it. That That was was fun. I was nervous. Ah, You guys were great. You're perfect. You're perfect. All right. Hopefully, we'll see you in person sometime. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.